Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 205 of the Professional Bookers Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I, it's March already. It is March. I don't know where February went. I don't know where it went, but I'm glad it's gone. I My February was a dumpster fire, so <laughs> I'm glad that it is, it's out of here. March, so February is always tough weather-wise around here. It's like the tail of of winter's like last throes of terrible in Cleveland, and you just want it to get warm, and it never is. <sighs> and it just was a lot. So I'm happy it's March. I am too. Yeah. Moving on. I was just thinking about how walking into the building today, I was wearing flip-flops and our CEO, Steve, was like, what are you doing in flip-flops? Seriously? (laughs) 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 Oh, that's so funny. He'll do that sometimes with like, I'll be really busy and I'll take a bowl of soup upstairs and he'll be like, why do you just eat downstairs? You're going to trip on the stairs with your soup. He was. He was. Careful. Why are you wearing flip-flops? I wear flip-flops all the time in the summer around here. Right. I think his point was not summer yet. Nah, I guess it's, it's still technically we're recording this on the 28th of February, but whatever. It was warm out this morning. That's, thank you. Although it's it's raining as we speak. It is raining. Man, weather talk is so captivating. Um, You're welcome, long time listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. Uh, today is our March 1st episode, and so we are going to, as always, give you a whole bunch of book recommendations for March that we're very excited about. Uh, as always, Jill and I will go back and forth. We don't tell each other our lists ahead of time, though there was one book that we did look at ahead of time because Jill was positive we would both have it and she was right. Um, but yeah, we usually are pretty good about this. Sometimes we have the same books and then we obviously don't talk about them twice because that would be silly. Uh, if people want to get a hold of us, tell us what books they're excited about or want book recommendations. Jill, how can they do that? You could have just kept going. I know. know. I wanted a drink of water. They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds, and they can email us directly at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. Yes. So how many do you have? Nine. I have ten. Okay. That's close. Um, But do you want... I know that I have ten, but I feel like for sure I have at least one that we're both going to have. So do you want Was to start? The one we talked about yesterday. No, I didn't. Oh. Put, I didn't put that on my list because okay. I knew you had it on yours. Oh, do you want to talk about that one first? Because it's sure. The one we talked about yesterday. Correct. Yes. Okay. So we're... <laughs> sorry. Struggle. Um. So first up, I'm just gonna. Uh, it's Unmasked by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm-hmm. It is his um, autobiography, which, if you know Adam and I, have been listening long enough. We are longtime theater fans, Massive. Broadway nerds. We've been done with those in a while. They actually just uh, Playhouse Square, our local. <gasps> I saw our local theater. So we have Cleveland. We've talked about this second largest theater district in the country after New York City, and so we get baller uh, Broadway book, Broadway books, Broadway plays that come here. And they announced what we're getting this year: Dear Evan Hansen, 
Les Mis. Les Mis is coming back. Miss Saigon, which I haven't seen in probably since it was here last Miss time, Saigon. like 15, uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> Hello, Dolly. Mm-hmm. With Betty Buckley. Yeah. Uh, School of Rock. Come Away Home. Come Fly Away. Oh, Come Fly Away is a movie. No. Yes. I think there's one more in there. There is one more in there. Um. Oh, shoot. I had it in my brain. A Bronx Tale. That's it. You're all welcome. Come to Cleveland, guys. And if you do, email us. We'll, we'll hang out or we'll... at least offer food recommendations. Yes. And show recommendations. Anyway, like you said, autobiography of Andrew Lloyd Webber. I feel like probably don't need to talk about it. I don't think so. Yeah. Phantom. Right. Um... <laughs> My brain freezes. <laughs> I was just staring Clearly at you as he's well. done more. Um, Jesus Christ, Superstar. Mm-hmm. Um. There's more. My brains. Yeah, no, I I feel the same way. It's okay. You guys, Andrew Lloydover. You know. You know. Andrew Lloydover. Yeah. Uh, he did cats too, right? Cats says. He did okay. cats. <laughs> I was sitting here like, did he do cats? Who no did cats? Worries. Based <laughs> on T.S. Eliot books, poems, one time. Really? Yeah, we talked Wasteland? about that. No. no. The Old Possum's book. Oh, yeah, we did talk about that. We talked about that. Wow. Moving on. You guys just endured 30 seconds of Jill and Adam having ADHD at the same time. <laughs> this is what it's like all the time. All the time. Okay. Uh, so my first one, I have been yelling at people to read this online and in person for a year now. Uh, a little over a year ago, I got an email from our good friend Molly. I'm going to call her out by name because she's amazing. Uh, from McMillan. I should confirm that before I just start talking. Uh, yeah, and, um, she said, I was going to Book Expo America, and she gives us all of these wonderful podcast or all these podcast interviews that she just, she's amazing, uh, she's the one who hooked us up with Lee Bardugo, and Marissa Meyer, and all sorts of fun people, and she said, Adam, you have to interview this Nigerian-American author, her name's Tomi Adeyemi, she just got a book deal, and she got a movie deal based off that all in the same week. And she literally said, she's the next J.K. Rowling. And I said, Molly, calm down. That's crazy sauce. And now, almost a year later, I can finally tell you that she'll be on the podcast this coming week. Her book is called Children of Blood and Bone. If you are familiar at all with young adult books, you know that this book is coming out. It's been on Entertainment Weekly. It's been on Good Morning America. Right now on Hollywood Boulevard, there's like a 50-foot poster for it. The jacket cover looks incredible. I'm not going to talk about the book because she's going to be on on Monday and you can hear her talk about it with me. Um, Tomi is an incredible human. She's 23, which is bananas. Um, But again, Nigerian-American author. And this was kind of happenstance, but this was the first book I wanted to talk about, Children of Blood and Bone. And then I was looking through all of the books that I have been reading lately and I'm excited about for March. And I recently discussed uh, literature with, Adeyemi, Ayobami, Ayobami Adebayo, sheesh, Uh, she's a Nigerian author as well, and so I've actually been reading a lot of Nigerian literature lately because of her, like the one I'm reading right now is called Beasts Made of Night, which came out last year, and it's by Tochi Onyabuchi, and it's really, really good, Uh, but like four of my other books this month are Nigerian authors, which I didn't even realize until I put the list again. That's awesome. Yeah, so they'll all be in the show notes, obviously, but Tomi Adeyemi, Gonna be on the podcast next week. Children of Blood and Bone will debut at number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. I'm just gonna go ahead and confirm that with my with my brain. So so excited to read this. I even get I haven't got to read it yet. 
they did, they couldn't send us advanced copies of it because it was so kept under lock and key. Right. But I ordered like three copies of it because <laughs> I'm a loser. Okay. Sorry. So I feel like this is an important note that has nothing to do with the podcast. But earlier this morning, Adam and I and our entire staff were sitting in a very long meeting. So this is like the first time today. <laughs> We got to speak. <laughs> we have gotten to speak. So I think it's all coming out. Did you? S- I just <laughs> like, like four hours of not talking. Four hours, yeah. Well, not four hours. No, it was four hours. Okay, it was close. It was a long time. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Would just to sort of give context. We did give breakfast though. to what is happening right now. <laughs> I'm so loopy. Right. So. Uh. Just was... to give context. But in that meeting, we found out some really fun things that are happening with our app, Libby. We did. Download Libby, you guys, if you haven't used it yet. Plug for our app. It's wonderful. Libby is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have The Mary Spinster, Tales of Everyday Horror by Mallory Ortberg. That was the one I knew we were both going to have. I had a feeling. Have. Okay. So Mallory, for those who don't know, used, uh, wrote for The Toast and Gawker and Hairpin. She's now the Dear Prudence. Um advice columnist on slate and so this is a collection of darkly playful stories based on classic folk and fairy tales with a feminist spin with a feminist spin i don't think i need to say any more about that. no i was super excited about i missed the toast i know that was a great website uh every once in a while there are in my facebook time hop thing will be links or mold ones i'm like oh, i miss you are those archived I'm not sure. I'm going to go look. I think so, because I think at least one has come up that at least the preview still showed up. Yeah. I never actually clicked through to see. Okay. I'm going to do that after the podcast. Uh, My next one is Tangerine by Christine Mangan. Mangan. Did you have this? I did not, but continue. Okay. Uh, So it's the Joyce Carol Oates described it as if Donna Tartt, Gillian Flynn? Gillian Flynn. I think it's Gillian, I think actually. So too. All right. If Donna Tartt, Gillian Flynn, and Patricia Highsmith collaborated on a screenplay to be filmed by Alfred Hitchcock. That's that's a good usage of big names. Um, so I'll just read some of the description really quickly. Uh, the last person Alice Shipley expected to see since arriving in Tangier with her new husband was Lucy Mason. After the accident at Bennington, the two friends, once inseparable roommates, have not spoken in over a year. But there was Lucy trying to make things right and return to her old rhythms. Perhaps Alice should be happy. She has not adjusted to life in Morocco, too afraid to venture out, and she's excited to have her friend there to help with that. Uh, But soon a familiar familiar feeling starts to overtake Alice. She feels controlled and stifled by Lucy at every turn. Then her husband goes missing, and Alice starts to question everything around her. Uh, It's been optioned for a film by George Clooney's Smokehouse Pictures with Scarlett Johansson to film, or to film, jeez, to star. Uh, I'm very interested in this. I also just read a uh, biography of Alfred Hitchcock, so it was good timing for me. Got it. No, I gave you that look because on Monday's episode, no, next Thursday's episode, I'm not confused, is our suspense, we're doing another suspense and thriller. That book came up. Oh. I wasn't on that episode, so I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, And so Tangerine came up, and then one that I'm also excited about, that I'm not going to talk too much in detail about because we also talked about it. Is Sometimes I Lie by um, Alice Feeney. If you guys, this, so on the podcast, um, 
it is our, you know, previous guests, Emma, Kristen, Rachel, and myself. Emma, Rachel, and I have all read this book already. You know us. We have read these books a lot. These types of books. All of us were blown away by this. Really? That's what I'm saying. So, sometimes I lie. Alice Feeney. Read it. There'll be more on next week's episode, too, where we talk about it. A couple of ours. I think a couple of them are going to be talked about on the podcast because I have a few that I think are authors that are going to be on as well. Um, okay. I mentioned Nigerian authors. This one is a Nigerian author. It's Freshwater by Akweki Amizi. All of the names are in the show notes. I think I nailed that pronunciation. Though. <laughs> uh, this is a Ayobami Adebayo recommendation. She spoke very highly of this. She said it came out in Nigeria, I think, last year, and now it's available in America. Uh, I think we have more American listeners than Nigerian listeners, so it should be new to most of you. Uh, an extraordinary debut novel, Freshwater, explores the surreal experience of having a fractured self. It centers around a young Nigerian woman, Ada, who develops separate selves within her as a result of being born with, quote-unquote, one foot on the other side, basically on the other side of evil. Unsettling, heart-wrenching, dark, and powerful, Freshwater is a sharp evocation. Evocation? Evocation. It's a sharp evocation of a rare way of experiencing the world, one that illuminates how we all construct our identities. Sounds really, really good. Also, the cover is a snake with two heads. It's very unsettling. I'm very excited to read this. That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of, like, the, um, it seems a little bit like that movie Split, mm-hmm. which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have Speak No Evil. Did you have it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay, Speak No Evil by Uzodima Iwala. In the long-anticipated novel from the author of the critically acclaimed Beasts of No Nation, a revelation shared between two privileged teenagers from very, very different backgrounds sets off a chain of events with devastating consequences. Um, so it's about um, two, uh, again, teenagers. Um, one is a gay uh, Nigerian, which is going to cause some family problems. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, there's a fallout with his family, and then um, his friend Meredith is the only one who knows, but she's dealing with her own stuff. So, yeah. Another Ayabami Adebayo recommendation. Yeah, good stuff. It, it looks so good. And they made it on a lot of the very, I think I have it, I think I listed all of them for like best picks of 2018. Indie Next, one of the millions most anticipated books, one of Bustle's most anticipated books, one of Pastes, one of Boston Globes. Yeah, they, so this is getting a lot of buzz. It's like pachinko level buzz. Yes. Uh, My next one is Everything is Horrible and Wonderful, a tragic comic memoir of genius, heroin, love, and loss. So I received a copy of this book like four months ago, and I've not been able to read it yet because just thinking about it makes me want to cry. This is a memoir of Harris Whittle's written by his sister, Stephanie Whittles-Wachs. If Harris Whittles isn't a name that jumps out at you, that's okay, but um, he was massive in the comedy world. He was one of the main people who helped create Parks and Recreation, and um, he was on the show a whole bunch. In fact, they just call him Harris on it. Uh, He died of a heroin overdose uh, somewhat recently, I think a couple years ago at this point, 
And when he passed away, like everyone who's a comedy nerd was just like was crushed because this he was so young and so talented. Um, you saw these long uh, essays written by people like Aziz Ansari, who actually wrote the um, wrote the foreword. Uh, all these people that like even if you hadn't heard of him, you see all these comedians that you have heard of talking about this guy that they were obsessed with. Um, there's just his life basically ended with he did this set this last like stand-up comedy set the night he ended up overdosing and like the set itself was all about um just like life and death and like how happy he was in his place in in the world and then ended up tragically dying that night so i'm excited to read it but i know i'm gonna sob through it um but a tragic comic i'm uh, sorry everything is horrible and wonderful a tragic comic memoir of genius heroine love and loss i can't imagine even writing this as the sister i know going to be wonderful to read and i will cry a lot so um my next one is the hunger by alma katsu um i'm so excited for this one so this um is about the donner party which if you are not familiar was a group of um travelers trying to move west in you know the days of like Oregon Trail type thing and um they were um met with some harsh weather and had to stop traveling and then eventually they ran out of food mm-hmm. and um turned cannibal like I don't there's no other way to put it yeah so anyway so the hunger um is about the Donner party but it adds on a supernatural twist to kind of look at what possibly they, they know what happened but um adding that kind of spin to it so i'm really excited about this i've had it on my list for a while um our friends at penguin um hugo hi hugo hi hugo um, when i was visiting for midwinter i mentioned that i really wanted to read it and they're like here have a copy it's like oh okay great thanks i guys listen if you have the ability to become friends with publicists it's the best it's just the best I got to watch John Hodgman talk from like four feet away from me sitting next to Skip die because Skip was like, come sit with me. Bring your wife. She's lovely. And then we sat and watched John Hodgman tell jokes about librarians. He's also a paying random house person. Mm-hmm. Um, my next one is Dreadful Young Ladies and Other Stories by Kelly Barnhill. Do you have this one? No. Nice. No? No, I don't. Continue. Okay. I'm sorry. It's uh, fantasy short stories. I, 20, like I said multiple times, I think, already. 2018 is my year of fantasy. I'm just all about it. Probably because of the whole escaping the garbage that is our, you know, normal actual reality. Uh, So this is a series of fun and kind of dark science fiction and fantasy short stories. So there's one that has this Mrs. Sorensen. Her husband dies and she rekindles a long dormant love with an unsuitable mate. It's called Mrs. Sorensen and the Sasquatch. Very excited to read that. Uh, there's another one with a man wrestling with his grief and his sexuality uh, in an exchange of letters with a faraway beloved. There's Dreadful Young Ladies, which demonstrates power and strength known and unknown of the imagination. There's just all these sound very whimsical, and mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Um, really good stuff. Uh, again, Dreadful Young Ladies and Other Stories by Kelly Barnhill. And man, the cover is gorgeous. It's like this firefly slash moth slash butterfly that's illuminated in, a, in a, the dark and yeah 
from my board. Next up, I have. Oh, the Manson Women and Me by Nikki Meredith. Man, no, you're just going dark here for a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure my entire, like all of my books for the most part, except for the ones in the beginning. Yeah, actually, now that I'm looking at it, they are all kind of yeah. dark. Also, by the way, not to cut you off, the Downer Party. I feel like that's been talked about on this podcast more than anything else. Well, there was a book, there was a nonfiction book that came out last yeah. year. And everyone loved it, I remember. Okay. Sorry, can repeat. So, The Manson Women and Me by Nikki Meredith. In the summer of 1969, Leslie Van Houten and Patricia Krenwinkel carried out horrific acts of butchery on the orders of the charismatic cult leader Charles Manson. At their murder trial the following year, lead prosecutor Vincent... I almost said below... Anyways, okay, Vincent Begliosi described the two so-called Manson women as human monsters. But to anyone who knew them growing up, they were bright, promising girls seemingly incapable of such an unfathomable act. So award-winning journalist Nikki Meredith began visiting them in prison to kind of talk to them about what happened and what compelled them to join the family and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for a pick-me-up after Jill's downer, uh, just kidding, because mine is also super sad. It's called The Astonishing Color of After by Emily X.R. Pan, and it's all about a young woman struggling to find herself when her mother commits suicide. Um, promise there's more to it than that. So there is the main character, Lee Chen Sanders. She's half Asian and half white, and she travels to Taiwan to meet her maternal grandparents for the first time because when her mother commits suicide, Lee is convinced that she turns into a bird. And so she wants to go and find this bird. And so she ends up chasing ghosts and family secrets and all sorts of different stuff. Um, it sounds very kind of coming of age e. And people say it's a stunning and heartbreaking novel of grief, love, and family, perfect for fans of Celeste Ng. Also, it got blurbed by John Green. So that's a debut novel uh, goal. (laughs) And the cover's beautiful for this one, too. It's a crane with, like, amazing color behind it. By the way, you're typing all these frantically. I could have just sent you. I I could have sent you the list. I know. Sorry. No, you you don't have to apologize. I just realized that. Um, the Darkling Bride by Laura Anderson. Three generations of Irish nobles face their family secrets in this spellbinding novel from the award-winning author of the Bowling King trilogy. So this is about a family that has lived in a castle for 700 years, nestled in the mountains of Ireland. The estate is now slated to become a public trust, and book lover and scholar Kara Ryan is hired to take inventory of its historic library. But after meeting Aiden, the current... Um, Viscount and his enigmatic family. Um, she knows that her task will be more challenging than she thought. Two decades before Aiden's parents died violently at the castle, the case, which has never been closed, has recently been taken up by a new detective determined to find the truth. Their death harkened back a century when a similar kind of unsolved um, death happened, and it all brings it up. And yeah, mm-hmm. good stuff. Uh, my next one is Census by Jesse Ball. Um, I almost put it on my list. This sounds incredible. When a widower receives notice from a doctor that he doesn't have long left to live, he's struck by the question of who will care for his adult son, a son whom he fiercely loves, a boy with Down syndrome. With no recourse in mind and with a desire to see the country on one last trip, the man signs up as a census taker for a mysterious governmental bureau and leaves town with his son. 
So they go on this adventure, traveling through the country, and the towns are named only by ascending letters of the alphabet, and they encounter a wide range of human experiences. And then as they go throughout the towns, they realize that some people will open them in with welcome arms, and other people are really afraid of these census takers. And as they approach the letter Z, the town of letter Z, like they, they see all these people that have basically wounds from old census takers and uh, it gets more and more wild and, and there's a lot of decay all around and he basically is trying to figure out like what's the reason for this is he doing something as a part of this government that is wrong he's also trying to figure out how he's going to say goodbye to his son if all that sounds amazing Jill was giving me these ads like holy crap I want to read that too um, we're not alone in thinking that you're talking about uh, one of the other books that had all those ridiculous lists that it made. Uh, this one is named one of the most anticipated books of 2018 by, takes deep breath, the New York Times, the Chicago Reader, Nylon, the Boston Globe, Huffington Post, the Rumpus, AV Club, Southern Living, The Millions, BuzzFeed, and many more. It sounds so good. I'm like, this might, I, I feel like this is going to be one of the books we're talking about in December. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, next up, I have The Feed by Nick Clark Window. No. No, you're good. Okay. I can never tell. I know. We both we like pull our breath and then look at each other, but I'm really just like right. letting you talk. All right. So this is what Kirk has had to say about the feed. Think the road intricately intricately wrapped oh my god, I cannot speak. Wrapped around station eleven with a da- dash of Oryx and Creek. Jesus. Man, that sounds so good and so sad. Sounds amazing. I know, but also sad. Um, set in a post-apocalyptic world as unique and vividly imagined as those of Mad Max and the girl with all the gifts, a startling and timely debut that explores what it is to be human and what it truly means to be connected in the digital age. The feed is accessible everywhere by everyone at any time and instantaneously links us to all information and global events as they break. Every interaction, every emotion, every image can be shared through it. It is the essential tool everyone relies on to know and understand the thoughts and feelings of partners, parents, friends, children, colleagues, pretty much anyone in the entire world. So Tom and Kate use the feed, but Tom has resisted its addiction, which makes him suspect to his family. After all, his father created it. But that opposition to constant connection serves Tom and Kate well. When the feed collapses after a horrific tragedy shatters the world as they know it. Um, the feeds collapse, taking modern society with it, leaves people scavenging to survive. Finding food is truly a matter of life and death, and ailments that were previously treatable now kill people. And while the collapse has demolished the trappings of the modern world, it has also eroded trust. In a world where survival of the fittest is a way of life, there is no one to depend on except yourself. Maybe that's no longer true. Man. My list is very. I know. I, I March is good. Here. March is so good. Also, um, pull back the curtain. So when we're not recording, Jill and I will talk about obviously non-podcast things because we're friends. Like we joke about it all the time about like like I said, February is super stressful for me, and I'm constantly trying to like escape from real world with my books. I feel like if you look at the books that we both picked, it's a pretty clear like psychotherapy. Uh, like, oh, what's going through Adam and Jill's minds this month? Um, yeah, there's some dark stuff. Yeah, we got. If you're gonna read Jill's list, you're gonna need like a blanket and some tea, I think, or whiskey. <laughs> um, okay, my last one. I won't talk long about it because she's gonna be on the podcast. But Daughter of the Siren Queen. So this is a young adult book. 
Uh, it's by Trisha Levenseller, who is my new favorite person in the world. She, I did an interview with her. This is the second book in the Daughter of the Pirate King series. It's um, it's a duology, so it's finished with this. Uh, teenager, Lady Jack Sparrow. That's sold. Yeah, it's so great. She, I, we, she'll be on the podcast, and we had so much fun. She was one of those people when I got done recording. We, she and I. Just chatted mm-hmm. for like another twenty minutes, um, but yeah, it's really fun. It's so so fun. There's all these scenes in the book where exactly like Pirates of the Caribbean, where like you expect something bad to happen, but basically just the main character is amazing throughout the entire scene, and it's action packed and taking something that takes place in those Pirates of the Caribbean movies and then trying to write it out so it's equally as exciting is so difficult. And she does such a good job with it. It's just I. I could literally feel myself being like, yeah, go Alosa, you rock, like, throughout the entire scene. So, really fun. You can get through these really quickly, too. My last one. That was your last one, right? That was my last okay. one. My last one is Girls Burn Brighter by Shibaro. Pornima and Savita have three strikes against them. They are poor, they are ambitious, and they are girls. After her mother's death, Pornima has very little kindness in her life. She's left to care for her siblings until her father can find her a suitable match. So when Savita enters their household, Pornima is intrigued by the joyful, independent-minded girl. Selling their Indian village doesn't feel quite so claustrophobic. But when a devastating act of cruelty drives Savita away, Pornima leaves behind everything she's ever known to find her friend. Um, so, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Man, March rules. I know. There's some good stuff. Also, the cover of this one is incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, awesome. Okay, that's all of them, right? Yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah. Uh, there's also so, so many more books coming out this month that we didn't discuss. So my recommendation, if you use your library, which I'm sure most of you do since we harp on it all the time, uh, go to their Overdrive page. I'm sure your library will have recent releases that they just purchased. And I always like to do what I'll, I'll find a genre that I'm interested in, and I will search for for the titles by release date and then I'll do I'll select the option to make them available now so I'll see the newest titles that they have that are available now that way I don't have to hop on a wait list except for the fact that all these books I jumped on the wait list I did a gel I did a I jumped on the wait list for all these while I was uh putting them on my list for this so I'll be in front of you if you are at Cuyahoga County um okay anything else you can think of Nope. Oh, depending on what happens tonight, um, by the time you hear this on Thursday, if you're a Jeopardy fan, oh, that's right. The current champion on as of Wednesday afternoon, so she won Monday, Tuesday. The current Jeopardy person is a librarian from our local library, Cuyahoga County. Um, Lynn Manuel tweeted about her. Nice. Yeah, I read. I retweeted it and responded to him. Um, so yeah. Even if you don't belong to Cuyahoga County, which I know a lot of you don't because we have lots of listeners all around the place, still listen in or watch in Jeopardy if she wins and cheer on the librarian. She's awesome. Her Monday night uh, final Jeopardy was about books, which well that worked out well. <laughs> so, okay, I think that's everything. I think so. I'm just thinking about when I was in grad school for library science, we would go, the li- my group of library classmates and I would go do trivia nights and we would usually... Oh, you guys ruled, I we bet. We did. We would rule trivia nights just because 
a group of like 15 library science students from all different backgrounds. I have a very important question. Did you have a fun name for your team? We are the Do Me Decimals. Yes! Fantastic name! That's half the battle. Do Me Decimals. Good for you guys. That's wonderful. Um, I think that's everything. Are you sure? I like you said we didn't get to talk for four hours. I could do like another. I feel that like normally at the end of these podcasts, I'm like, "All right, get in, let's do this." But I feel like I could I keep talking for forty five right, minutes. Bonus time. Oh, I bonus ha- time. I don't have anything. I don't to think talk about. either. Oh, God. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about, Adam? I don't know, Jill. I what are you reading? What am I? I already told you what I'm reading. I'm reading oh yeah, you did. Um, oh wait, hang on. I think I have more though. Uh, let me go to my Goodreads. Let's see what else I'm reading. Uh, Oh boy, oh boy! I just read a couple of running books. Um, Born to Run, which was not new, um, but that was my unlikely journey to ultramarathon greatness. Nope, that's two different books. I'm looking at the wrong one. That's Eat and Run by Scott Jurek, which is wonderful. Scott Jurek is a legendary distance runner. He has another one coming out. He does, and he was at book expo america last year and i was supposed to go run with him i didn't get to because i didn't have time but eat and run is really fun if you're a runner who is also looking like to go vegan or vegetarian he has all sorts of really great recipes in there born to run is by christopher mcdougall it's a really famous running book it's about this legendary race that takes place in the canyons of mexico and this group of people who exist called the terahumara they are runners in mexico and they routinely will get up and run like hundred mile races as a as a society. And these people they run in little time and like small thin sandals and skirts and like just like nothing. They don't have any advanced technology or anything for their feet, and they never have back pain, knee pain. It's basically it makes you rethink running, and it's wonderful. So so good. Um, and the other one I read recently is called Strange Fire by Tommy Wallach, which is like. Wow, is it hard to describe because I will give away some stuff about it. It's almost like a post-apocalyptic dystopian <laughs> novel about stuff that happened in the future that led people to lose a lot of the technology that they had now. So it's almost like going back to like Puritan days. But then there's other people that do have technology. Hmm. All sorts of stuff. What are you reading right now? Okay, so I, yeah, I can talk about... Um, well, the one I talk about on next week's episodes i won't but i just finished a graphic novel that unfortunately we don't have but um it's called bingo love by t franklin and it is best described as african-american grandma lgbt romance that starts in the 60s that's how it's best described (laughs) that's amazing yeah so they were these two girls in the 1960s who um are both um girls of color and uh they meet at bingo but it's the 60s and their families don't deal well with that and so then it kind of um chronicles their lives mm-hmm. going forward so that was really good um but again unfortunately overdrive does not have that one i did recently finish though deep dig deep my grave by cheryl hongford i've mentioned her books before she writes the 1930s radio land murder mystery set in chicago oh so good and so her latest one comes out um, this year, and I have an advanced copy, and it held up to all of the other ones. And she told me on Twitter that it is her favorite of all of her books that she's written. Nice. It was really good. Yeah, it was a fun one. That's amazing. Um, 
Oh, I have one more I want to talk about. Okay. So, Will Wheaton. Yes. What a human. Uh, he wrote a short story called Dead Trees Give No Shelter. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you should probably read it in October because it's very spooky and creepy. But uh, I was just looking for something really short to listen to over the weekend. He, first off, obviously, he does the uh, audiobook as well because Will Wheaton is probably the greatest audiobook reader around. Uh, it's like 90 minutes or you can just read it. It's very quick. It is a short story about this town and something ominous happens to children all the time. It's almost like It, but mm-hmm. different. Um, and if you're li- it's called Dead Trees Give No Shelter. If your library doesn't have it, just go on Amazon and support Will Wheaton because it's like $1.99 to purchase. I did that. I I read it on Overdrive and then bought it just because he's amazing. But so, so good. It's a 90 minutes short. The, the ability to write a short story that creates characters that you immediately feel attached to and also are crushed. And the ending, kind you can kind of see the ending coming, but it is no less dark and ridiculous, even though you can see it coming. So, um, All right. I feel like we should stop now so you have time to edit this before we go home. I just realized you have to do that. That's fine. Okay. Works for me. All right. Well, there's some bonus recommendations for you. bonus recommendations about what we're reading. Um, send us emails. And we'll send. We'll give you more recommendations. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. All right. Hope you enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.